Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, X, and Rumble. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, onto the show. The Carmichael Manor is home to a grisly murder that occurred right upstairs from where I stand. Half the family murdered, while the other half is still missing. The Carmichael Manor, where to begin? Arthur and Patrick Carmichael have been missing for the last 30 years. We are about 30 minutes from our new home, the Carmichael Manor. You're staying in the Carmichael? We're staying inside. That was how Margot Bentley and Rebecca Vickers wound up in the manor in November of 2021. What's on their video is things that can't be unseen. Chase is going to be here in an hour. You actually think this place is on? If it is, you're here for five days, so please get it on camera. Hello? Who is that? What's all this here? Those are all the things found at the Abaddon Hotel. What's going on? I saw this little girl. She said that her and her mom were staying at a hotel. And then I realized that she's not real. Something is, is messing with us. It probably doesn't want us here. So let's not disappoint. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 568. Releasing October 30 on Shudder is Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor, a found footage horror mystery that focuses on a group of internet sleuths who investigate the grisly unsolved murders of an affluent family at an abandoned manor, only to find a different hell awaits them. The fourth film in the Hell House franchise, Hell House LLC Origins The Carmichael Manor is one of the best and terrifying examples of found footage horror filmmaking in recent years, with its engrossing story and its dreadful scares making it a must-watch this Halloween. And joining me now is the director of Hell House LLC Origins The Carmichael Manor and indeed the architect of the Hell um, Hell House franchise, Mr. Stephen Cognetti. Stephen, thank you so very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's really interesting. So you return back to the Hell Hills uh, franchise. This time, though, we're out of the uh, Abaddon Hotel. We're in the Carmichael Manor. 
Did you always yeah. know that if you were going to make a return to this franchise, that a change of scenery was going to be on the cards? Yeah, I, I did. And I thought that was necessary. I thought that was the only way to do it. And uh, I think we had the, the storyline, everything that happened at the Ebanon Hotel um, was uh, worn out and done. And then that's why I burned it down at the end of the third one, because it's like that is finality right there. And that's complete. And if I want to do anything more in the Hell House, it would just have to be something in the world, but not anything back to the hotel again. Um, so yeah, I, I knew if, if we were going to go back to the story, go back to the world, it had to be something completely original and a whole new location. And in that, I think how having a new location just helped, uh, creatively write the story, write the scares and, um, and having different locations than just writing scares over and over in the same Abaddon hotel was a, was a, was a very tricky, uh, task uh, to do hard task to do. And, uh, and two and three, so four just was just fun to do because there's a whole new area. Is it true that prior to working on uh, this movie that you wrote like a draft of like a, a 1980s set kind of prequel based on the, the yeah. Carmichael family and that you pretty much looked at it, um, was it right for some reason, and then you just used like little elements of that into what we see uh, people going to see? Exactly, yeah. Um, I wrote 120 pages of script about what happened in the hotel in the 80s, a little backstory on the hotel uh, creation. Uh, what the cult was doing on there, who was affecting the, how it was affecting the town surrounding it, and um, had some stories about the people that work there. One of them um, being one of the members of the Carmichael family, Patrick Carmichael, and uh, and so uh, we couldn't do that for two reasons: one, budget, just to make a whole '80s period piece um, wasn't gonna you know wasn't gonna work for uh, the size of productions that we have, and then also the Abaddon Hotel as it exists right now in real life is just so different from what it was when we filmed the original hell house that if we ever wanted to film something that's prequel in the hotel it would they would just require so much like rebuild of like different they've changed the room so many uh different ways now that it's like almost unrecognizable so i took that storyline and just put it in in bits and pieces in a modern day um present day setting uh and they, but, but we only kind of give glimpses of what might have happened uh in that story i wrote through um uh, Catherine Carmichael's uh, home videos. Uh, so you get like, just like little Easter. And, and I think just like the original with the original, like you see a lot of people had said, there's like a lot of holes in the story. A lot of things are unexplained in the original. And I said, but that's true because I'm only giving you little glimpses, little teasers of like backstory that you don't really know about. Um, but maybe one day we'll connect and make sense. Um, and that's what I hope to do. Uh, maybe someday I'll get to it and like connect why these little things, what was going on in Patrick's uh, Carmichael, Catherine and all that storyline. Um, I just want to give little teasers of that backstory without showing too much of it. I like when there's like little little kind of gaps in there because I like the fact that it kind of keeps you guessing and wants you wanting more. If you give away too much, I think when it comes to kind of like a world building, world build, world building, excuse me, uh, mythology kind of like storytelling, um, that kind of thirst for for more, the knowledge for more, the seeking for it um, really goes away. And, and in and in your case, um, the future films would just be moose, wouldn't they? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and it's fun to do. It's just fun to tease future plot lines that, and just give a little bit of a few breadcrumbs of what they might be and what what might have happened. The script that we see now um, that's cut to life in, in, in the movie that's coming out October 30, um, is it true that you took like a year or so to kind of like refine the dialogue and the scares? And if if that's, that's the case, what is that on your end? Do you storyboard? Do you draw? Is it just script, um, writing only? How do you go about doing that process? 
Uh, it's, it's a fun process because it involves a lot of different things for inspiration. But uh, yeah, it was a year long process. It was probably um, March of 22 to March of um, of uh, of 23 when uh, we start filming in April 23. So uh, but it was probably about six or eight months when I had the uh, script well ready enough that I could start planning the production like locations and, and acting. But then but once we found the new location, it was tweaking the script right up until we start shooting to fit the new location, the, the mansion we found. But my, my process is, yeah, I do, I do, um, uh, a, a, a brilliant, uh, concept artist. His name is uh, David Romero. Um, do, I, I send him a lot of scenes of all my scripts and he gives me like this beautiful concept art, uh, of what it could look like. And, um, and that helps a lot in, um, uh, not just for me, but also helps the production, uh, designers, cinematographers, makeup artists. We all, so we can all come together on like what a scare will look like. Um, I do a lot of that. Um, I listen to a lot of classical music while I'm writing, um, get into different moods for different scenes. Um, but usually I just write a first draft of a script. And I know that the first draft is always, is, is never really a good draft. Um, but I always just keep on writing it out, print it out, and then I go through it with red pens, blue pens, and just make notes, notes. Just seeing the script from a bird's eye view, I think is so helpful just to and then create the layers underneath them. Once you have that blueprint, create so many fun way, you know how it's going to end. You kind of know your middle, you, your beginning, and then you can just create all those layers, like different, um, you could put in Easter eggs, make connections and payoffs, uh, setups and ways to set up scenes and pay them off later once you have that foundation of the first draft. And, and it's just months and months of just rewriting, tweaking everything, um, and then getting to a place where you're happy to say like, okay, now I can, I can start casting on this. I can, I can start looking for locations and getting all the pieces set. Even though if I'm not, I know every word's not exactly written in stone yet. I have a good enough draft of a script that I can start planning the production on that draft. You talk about payoffs just then. I think that this Hill House movie um, has some of the best um, examples of an exercise in restraint in a lot of the scares that you have in the movie um you really know how to pace you really know how to take its time so when the scares do hit they they do so at like a high impact there are numerous times where they make these old horror hound jump out of my seat you know i mean that in most sincere and thankful ways imaginable um where do you when it comes to the pacing of a scene um like for example um I um, don't want to give away too much, but there is a scene in the movie, or a couple of them, where you kind of just focus on the door frame, and you just just in there. It's a creaking of floorboards that kind of like kind of lifts up the tension, and, and more and more. Where does that kind of reveal itself to you creatively? Is that something that happens on the page, or is that something that happens in post with editing and sound effects and such? Where's or where does the magic come together for, for a scare for for one of your movies? Yeah, I mean, all those things like the creaking of the floorboards, uh, like a knock on a door, like to, to me, that's just really creepy. Like, I, I love that stuff. Things that you hear, it feels real. That feels like something that can happen um, yeah. in real life. So it's it's different from like some monster chasing you, which is like, it's scary, but that's like, but you know, it's fiction, but like something that we can all relate to are just the little things that just creep us out in the middle of the night hearing a footstep or, um, and I love that kind of stuff. Um, and to me, like some of my favorite, uh, things to do in this movie were those little, like, just like that knock at the door. Cause that's, it's so subtle, but it's, but the unknown of what's on the other side of the door, I think is so terrifying. Um, and hearing those footsteps as walk down the hallway. It's great. I mean, obviously the sounds are built in, in post-production though, but they're, um, but the whole thing is planned out beforehand. And I, I got uh, some inspiration from that. Um, I, have you ever heard of, um, like, I think it's called like one sentence horror stories. Um, I think so, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 
they're so much fun to read. And I remember one of them, like I read this years ago and uh, I thought it was, it it always gave me the chills was um, um, the last man uh, in the world is alone in a room and there's a knock at the door. And that's just like chilling <laughs> so, uh, because there shouldn't be, if he's the last man in the world, it's like, you know, um, kind of like a uh, I am legend kind of uh, scenario, but there's a knock at the door. Like, who could that be? Why could that be all that? Stuff. So just something as subtle as, 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 as that can be scary. And I love playing into something, trying to be as minimal uh, as you can but scary, I think is a fun challenge to do, not overdo anything. Um, you know, at any moment, any of these clowns that we see in the film, like, you know, they, they could be doing so much more than they are, but I think it's great that they're not. And that goes back to the original Hell House when they're walking down the stairs, when Paul sees the clown at the bottom of the stairs in the middle of the night and they just walk down to it, that clown could have done anything. And I would have gotten a, a cheap thrill out of that from the audience if the clown just like moved a little bit. Uh, but that's, but that's, but that's, that would have, I think that would have ruined the rest of everything else, the momentum that you're trying to set up. So I just love uh, less is more, I think when it comes to all that stuff. I think so too. And I think it's something that a lot of horror filmmakers need to, need to learn from. I mean, we talked about the exorcist like um, off screen uh, before that movie, the whole one hour, of everything even before any of the notorious kind of like gory stuff is just an anticipated build-up so you're already invested in a lot of this stuff and then the payoffs happen i think that's something that you do really well with your film as well the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by t public t public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise with over 1.2 million designs t public is sure to have something you love Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. I want to talk about the universe building that you've developed here with the Hell House um, franchise. This fourth film, I think, fleshes out the universe even more so. Um, not only did you change the scenery, but I think like the, the lore, the mythology of a lot of what this stuff that's happening um, is just seems so much more bigger and because of that, so much more sinister, but it's also very intimate at the same time. Um, how do you go about creating your universe? Your universe? Do you, did you still have ideas back when you made the first movie that you kind of held on to and wanted to bring here? Um, and uh, also, do you kind of like look at those kind of gaps that you had beforehand and maybe kind of change your mind and some ideas and maybe want to switch things around a bit as the years gone by? I'm really curious about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a mixture of both things happened. Um, but uh, as as I write, I just um, I just keep on writing, even if um, I don't know where I'm going with it. So the way I approach writing is kind of like and. and it's not the way a lot of screenwriters do it, but it's the way a lot of novelists do it. And if you ever heard Stephen King give an interview, he says when he starts a story, he doesn't know if his characters are going to make it to the end or not. Um, and he finds out when when he gets to the end, that's when he finds out himself who's going to live and die in his stories. And and and, and myself too. I don't like to uh, do notorious. I don't like to make a in depth uh, outlines and everything before I go into any script. Um, I, I like to just start writing an original story and see where I can make connections. Um, and bring in plot where I can. Uh, but I do have to sometimes, because we're getting into different timelines, I did have to write out a lot of things about when everything took place um, for my own, you know, I use my whiteboards a lot. I got a little thing, I got uh, uh, this, 
you know, hotel was founded this time, this happened, the, the suicide happened, this, you know, all this, I got those dates have because I have to have that out and I have to know my own timeline when I'm writing though. But I just like, I don't like to be restricted um, in like intense uh, notes and outlines. I like just to write a story. And then once I have the story written out, try to the next uh, revisions, just trying to make all the connections and bring things in um, into that story as I can. So uh, it, but it's fun to do. It's, I, I love being able to take concepts from like the original film that I actually probably didn't plan on being something bigger than it was, but then bringing it in, um, and, and making, uh, making it a bigger part of the story. Um, like for instance, the piano, um, jingle from the original movie, mm. um, that was something like when we did that on the original movie, that was just something that the actor Gore Abrams um, and who plays Paul and I just discussed when he was doing that scene. Um, we're having fun with that scene because it was going to be a fun scare. It's going to be a setup and a payoff later. We hear him play it. Then we hear after he disappears, we hear that jingle playing. <clears throat> but I thought is this fun to to just give that like a bigger meaning in life uh, throughout the whole trilogy and then into this uh, film as well. But it wasn't, it wasn't planned. It's just, you just find ways to just um, take little pieces of story and see if you can give them more depth. Um, and that, that's not something that was like pre-planned. It's, it's just in the process. It's fun to do while you're writing. Um, the main characters in your movie are these kind of true crime sleuths and it's be, over the last several years that that kind of thing has become way more very notorious on YouTube and other social media and such. And the interesting thing about the, the Hill House movies is that as the Hill House movies has progressed over the years, at the same time, new media in regards to these kind of true crime kind of like online personalities have grown in stature over time as well. The character of Margo mm-hmm. in your movie, who's brilliantly played by um, Bridget Rose Perota, um, she's a character where on one end, you know, she has a, you know, she seeks a notoriety. She wants to be popular, of course, and she wants to, you know, go where the story is. But there's also the need to kind of seek out the truth as well. And a lot of times, you know what to say, curiosity killed the cat and, and, and you know, um, these things can happen, right? Um, what yeah. do you think it is about these kind of like personalities online that like to delve into these kind of cold cases. And yet sometimes there's even footage of these kind of ghost hunter type shows where they go into these places and try to seek out uh, these kind of uh, spirits and such, um, which I'm not a fan of because I, I, you know, anyone, you know, going back to the exorcist, you know, once you play, play with the Ouija board, you're going to invite people into your life. I don't mess with the dark, the dark spirits. Um, what's, your, what's your take on that kind of stuff? Um, uh, like in regards to YouTube sleuths and ghost hunters and people who want to go to these places and seek out these uh, these horrors in these stories, um, especially in context to how you kind of built the Margot character in your movie. Yeah, um, personally, it's not for me, but I appreciate that other people do it. <laughs> um, I, I love that kind of stuff, and, and not just uh, paranormal stuff, but just like kind of true crime stuff. Um, and I love. Um, reading uh so recently actually when i was kind of i think it was when i was casting or finishing up this um the the script for um for this one there's a big uh, murder trial going on here in in, um america um the murdoch murders uh do you guys have you guys heard of there yeah because there it was a netflix documentary so in like in watching like docs on murders like that was like um and netflix has a lot of documentaries that about um uh, Cecil B. Mo- uh, Hotel, um, uh, things like that were ins- inspirations for the style that I wanted to do this kind of like real um, documentary style where we use a lot of like a B-roll, almost almost like reenactment kind of footage, but not really reenactment. It's more like just like kind of like a stock footage of uh, of events. But um, 
I, I love the fact that uh, the debates that people have, and there's so many armchair internet detectives that just say, mm. like, think they know exactly how that this they, this person murdered this because of X, Y, and Z. They know it. They can, and, and there's the 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 online arguments that go back and forth about that. But then there's someone who goes a little further. Like I'm not just going to sit in my chair and argue my point of why I think someone is guilty of X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go there. Um, and I told. Um, uh, Bridget, when, uh, the character, I said, just imagine like Margot is someone who n- wouldn't just want to argue about the the Murdoch murders. She would want to go to the sites of where the murders and like just be there because um, for her, it's just, it's surreal to be at the site of something like that. And, um, and you know, for her, there's always a paranormal element to it um, as well, not just the murders itself. But uh, I, I find that world fascinating. People that do that are interesting and, and fun. And I love to kind of just bring a little bit of that world into, into Hell House. The interesting thing as well I find about uh, this mo- your movies, especially um, the, this one, is it speaks about the insidious nature of evil. It's always there. It's always constant. Can you yeah. envision in uh, future Hell House movies, if there are going to be uh, more Hell House movies, and I hope there will be, that there will be at some point a counterpoint in regards to that? A Van Helsing to the Dracula, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Can you envision stuff like that happen? Because to me, you know, it's one thing where there's insidious nature of evil, but evil cannot exist without the uh, darkness, cannot exist without the light on the other side. I'm just curious whether the light will ever be introduced in your Hell House movies. It's so funny um, that uh, my mother-in-law um, always says the same thing to me. She reads my script and she's, she's like, just remember, there's the other end of this too. And and I said, I know, um, but uh, I think so. I I, I kind of feel like I uh, there was a little bit of that in Hell House 3 and how we ended Hell House 3, um, that uh, a kind of a good ended up triumphing a little bit uh, at the end there. But but my whole point was that even in triumph, there's still something left there. There's always something left over. Um, and it's, and the world is flawed. It always will be. Um, and so it's never going to go, you no matter who you defeat or whatever triumphs, there's always eventually going to come around again. Uh, evil will. Um, that's, I think that's just the way, uh, the world is. And so, uh, so future movies, um, I would just love to explore more themes in future movies and do more with this. Uh, I, I don't know what is next for me personally, if that is going to be an, a, another Hell House or something else. But uh, I, would, I, I, too, would love to make another one within this new series of films, uh, something within uh, uh, that world again. Yeah. So for everyone out there listening, October 30 on Shudder, Hell House LLC Origins, the car, Michael Manor, I can say with all honesty that this movie scared the shit out of me and you know such a good way as well goosebumps inducing all through it and you know i watch horror movies all the time again sent to me all the time and this is one of those films that really kind of stuck with me after watching it um and i think it's a tribute to your filmmaking Stephen, and a way that you'd be able to flesh out the universe and also that the great performances of your cast and the and just so many things go on uh, just go yeah the so cast was amazing thank you for giving them a shout out uh I, I i had such a fun time working with them they were so invested in their characters such great collaborators on this every one of them from the the carmichael's to the the main uh leads in the present day cast uh amazing people amazing workers uh amazing actors so everyone out there when it's hello's eve find your friends around get the popcorn 
put on um, a Hill House LLC Origins of Carmichael Manor. You will not be disappointed. You'll have a great time. You'll have a, a frightening time. And uh, Stephen Cognetti, thank you so very much for your time. Um, and yeah, hopefully in the future we can talk again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it.